Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to Three, a show about Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic and part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm Gil Gross with Joel Drucker and Amy Lundy. Monte Carlo draw is here. Rafa Nadal on the sidelines, but Novak Djokovic is set to return in Monte Carlo on the clay. What an occasion. Uh, it feels This feels like the real start of Novak's season. Dubai felt like a little bit of a false start. Uh, so, uh, Amy, I mean, how do you feel coming in about what Novak's mindset probably is? Is this uh, what his expectations will be and what the goal is coming into, again, what actually kind of feels like the start of his 2022? Djokovic fans are going to want to downplay expectations and say, look, the guy has been off for a while. He missed two big Masters 1000 events. But I'm very bullish if I'm being real about it, because I've seen members of the big three the past few years, and I've seen the good that can come out of some rest. And I also think that his mind is going to be more freed up because he's got this vaccination saga behind him. And he'll be able to play without being worried about any drama surrounding that. And his body will probably be healed from any little small injuries that he might've been battling. So I expect him to play very free. He's in, you know, the town in which he lives part-time. So uh, I actually am thinking he could legitimately win the tournament. I agree. I like that. I think he's in a, um, it is really, like you said, Gil, it is really pretty much the start of his year and that's unusual. I mean, that's, He's probably thinking, I've never thought of that. I mean, for a tennis player to be pretty much starting in April and it wasn't, wasn't an injury, it wasn't some other thing or it wasn't the pandemic of 2020. So uh, I think he's going to be pretty fresh. I'll be curious and we'll never know to the extent of what he's been doing in practice. Has he been playing sets? Does he drill? I mean, that's come mysterious things that the pros do. But I think, uh, I think he's going to be fairly ready. I mean, of course, we'll all look at it with a microscope. So the first time he makes two unforced errors or errors, sorry, Amy, errors in a game, <laughs> right. two errors in a game, you know, um, well, oh my God, look at Novak. He seems a little rusty on that, on that inside out forehand. Oh no. We can talk about the draw, but here's what worries me. It's the weird, uh, a tennis player finds motivation in what tournament is next, right? You want to train towards something. And that's, that's why you put yourself through the suffering because you're, you're going towards a goal. Again with the suffering. Well, yes, again with the suffering, right? You put yourself through hard training to, yes. I, I just, I do question if it's going to, if Novak now needs to rev things up again, the competitive juices, because they have been kind of on the shelf for a while. 
I think it's going to happen naturally because Nadal has had such a wonderful start to the season. And so that's going to motivate him. I mean, look, he's a highly competitive guy, but also the emergence of Carlos Alcaraz will motivate him to show that he's still got it and that you know, he's got skills on this surface that he's always trying to prove to people. He knows what he has to do. He's been here before. Players who play competitive matches, when you haven't played matches in a long time, you get out there and you think to yourself, oh gosh, I got to get back in this mindset. I'm not quite used to this. I feel nerves in certain situations, but then soon enough, you're back in it. And you really, I think with these guys, they've, they've been through this so many times. It's like a muscle or riding a bike or, or like a mental routine that after a couple of matches, he should be back in form. That's what I expect. Yeah. But also goes in a little bit of a, uh, <clears throat> of a, not exactly a roller coaster, but it's kind of these peaks and valleys and it's opponents. And I think there's the, uh, <clears throat> the factor, <clears throat> if I was a contemporary tennis player, I'd rather be commencing it on hard courts. Hard courts, I think, has a much more, you know, regardless of speed, has a more easier time of it of gaining that because I think clay is its own third opponent. Between, I'd rather be on clay. I would yeah, much make, rather I, be on clay. Let me make my point about it. I, I okay, we can. This is a good. This will be fun. Um, is I think the um, the clay creates these variables of influenced by weather, more influenced by opponent. I think more influenced by opponent unless, unless you're playing like a. Uh, Adele Potro or someone with exceptional weaponry and I but Novak's fine look he's won this tournament twice he hasn't won it in seven years but he's obviously he's very comfortable in this venue but I think Clay adds his own other mix to things because the the what it takes to win and to finish points but I also agree with you Amy that yeah he's a competitor he'll regain his form but it's we'll see I mean I'm, I'm curious to know what what his whole Clay season looks like is he just going to play uh this one Madrid, Rome, Roland Garros, nice little clay season. Will he take another wild card? What's he going to do? How, who does he play? I think how many clay tournaments he chooses to play leading up to Roland Garros will really determine how serious he is about winning that slam. And I, I suspect that he's very serious about it. Why would he that, be anything but? That being said, I would rather get back into match form on clay because you have it's a slower surface and you have more time. You have more time to perfect your your technique and get back in your rhythm. I mean, some of the best players in the world, some of the best European players in the world famously hone their craft from a young age on clay, including Novak. And that is the uh, the knock on Americans that we don't learn on clay, and therefore, you know, our our um, our skills break down. Um, I thought though, I'm not, I, I agree with you about the learning, but I'm talking about the 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 returning. And I guess it's a it's a moot question because here he is on clay, but I think he has more time, and so the opponents, so his 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 variables are more in play on clay. But maybe that helps you more because I think clay is arduous and somewhat demanding, also. So. I could just be talking, you know, out the side of my head on some of this stuff. And maybe I'm, I'm a Californian. So I think of clay as like, as hard courts, it's like, what's a true bounce? It's kind of a little bit of an igloo. It's not exactly indoor tennis, but it's almost easier. But your point, you think clay is easier. So Pull up the, 
No, I don't think it's easier by any stretch. I think it's um, a better surface to regain your timing. Yeah. Put it that way. I think it probably depends on the player. I do, I do think a match like he found himself against Yuri Vesely, where the rallies are lightning quick, three-shot rallies, and it's a lot about the return of serve, which is probably one of the things that is that comes back a little bit more slowly than some of the rest of the game. I don't think that's ideal for a player searching for rhythm. I see where Amy's coming from there. But I think Clay challenges Novak individually more than hardcourt and grass. So in that respect, I think it's harder to come back on Clay. It's just a fun thing. It's a fun thing to think through. I think it'll be fun to think through this stuff more as we see players <clears throat> coming back and all that. But uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, there have been a couple of good good points in here. Amy, I agree that there's plenty of bulletin board material for Novak. Nadal's comeback. Carlos Alcaraz, who's in the quarter. We'll get to that later, I promise. You guys probably want us to talk about that right away. But, but draw casting always comes last on three. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and finishing points, which I think is the main, the main reason why clay becomes, is more challenging for Novak. Right. Uh, Roland Garros, forehand was incredible that, that, you know, needs to be the case for him. Uh, when, you know, when he won it last year, of course, is what I'm referring to. Uh, he uses the drop shot more, but he has to reach into his bag of tricks a little bit more. There are less backhand down the line winners on clay for not just Novak, but all two-handers. It's just harder to get that shot through the court. So uh, in that respect, I think clay is always more challenging for, for Novak than the other surfaces. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Right. And I think, though, Novak's, I think the thing that you pointed about Roland Garros, obviously that's what he's pointing towards because that's where he's at. That's what his career is about. He's not, I mean, Taylor Fritz, who's also in this draw, is maybe architecting things a little differently. It's funny. Each of them could, each of them could reach the quarters and have different feelings about what that means for their life, their career, their path. Let's hit on Monte Carlo specifically as an event. Amy, you mentioned he lives there part-time. You're tempted to say he's, that's great. He's probably great there. Amazing. It's his worst clay tournament by win percentage. 74% win percentage uh, lifetime in Monte Carlo. Uh, that goes up to 78% in Madrid, all the way up to 86% in Rome. And at the French, it's 84%. So I, I'd say, you know, Monte Carlo and Madrid are kind of on that lower tier. And then you have Rome and RG, which have been much better 
for for Novak. I think there are a couple reasons for that. Uh, I'll keep them to myself. See if uh, see if you knock off a couple off the board um, b- between the two of you. So Joel, why do you think uh, Novak hasn't liked Monte Monte Carlo? I like this. It's like I was like I was like waiting in my chair, I was wondering who was going to which one was going to get called on first. I think Novak. I think first of all, for him, he's often come from a fairly rigorous North American hard court of Indian Wells in Miami, and so that transition is is a tricky one for him because he's played a lot of tennis. I think that's I think that's a main factor, and also just again the clay, the ending point factor. He's got to work that much harder. And actually, I like the arc. It's pretty good from a standpoint that the percentage increases as longer matches. Roland Garros. I mean, the better player usually fares better over the three out of five format than the two out of three, and you can get kind of ambushed in the two out of three. That's some of the thought. What what's what are your thoughts, Amy? I think this may be you know, one of his worst clay court tournaments, worst, because he's making, he's typically making that adjustment from hard court to clay, and he's not, you know, the best on clay, but this year he's not doing that because he didn't play hard court. So I know that he practices all the time at at the place where Monte Carlo is is held. That's his home uh, club, if you will. So um, if he's had like weeks and weeks to to practice, I think that's advantage Novak. The other factors also, also, um, so Novak, you look at his March, he's often been Indian Wells, he's been Miami. I mean, Nadal at times hasn't played Miami, just as, and, and now this year turns out different because of this injury, but Nadal is getting the, the jump start on practicing on clay. He's getting even further ahead, putting even more of that distance that's already been between them. And so Novak, I think it takes, it's taken him a little while to find his, his peak tennis on clay. What do you, what do you think, Gail? Did we, how did we do? Uh, yeah, yeah. So where you started, Joel, with calendar spot, that's one of my factors that I think plays a huge role. Amy, uh, and then, you know, with the adjustment, as far as that's concerned, I think that's everyone. So I don't know that you could say that's why Novak struggles, because that's besides the players who love clay so much that they aren't playing Miami and Indian Wells. Uh, I think it's kind of everyone's in the same boat there. They're not getting to semis and finals. I know that's true. But that's not that. I guess my point is that's not Novak this year. It wasn't him last year either. To, to be fair, he didn't play Miami and then he had the surprising Dan Evans loss. But I think so calendar spot is one because to me, this is a little bit, this isn't time to peak. For him physically and it's it's a tough summer you have you know d- don't forget it's not just Roland Garros Wimbledon comes very very quickly after that and it's coming off of Australia coming off the sunshine double where I, I I even feel like that has kind of taken a back seat a little bit when it comes to prioritization so I I just feel like physically it's a matter of being at a hundred percent for Rome and that's kind of how I think she sure, looks at I, it and, and it's a couple weeks out. So I don't feel like he's been at his best physically here. I, I buy that. And, and he is the master of sort of energy conservation and knowing, you know, from a macro and a micro when to put out that all out effort and when to conserve appropriately. Um, I mean, he always gives a hundred percent, but you do have to manage it. That's right. Just but the reality. I, I think it's, I, I literally think it's conditioning and, and fitness more so than kind of how much am I putting in here? 
how much energy oh, am okay. I putting in? I'm saying if we put him on a treadmill and measured his VO max, I probably butchered that phrase because I'm not a physiotherapist. Uh, but <laughs> I bet he's in much better shape uh, by the end of clay court season than he is coming into Monte Carlo. Well, that that's probably true. And there is the thing about clay court movement and clay court fitness, and and you know, and I mean, and who knows who knows on that flight from North America to Europe who's sneaking in some of the gluten. <laughs> whether it's but yeah okay so so we're I, I think i think we got a pretty good pretty good read on this transition stuff that's hard for yeah. me and, and again amy said this earlier yeah his worst at a tournament what 35 and 12 he's won it twice exactly so, i mean that's people would kill to get into the finals you know like once so yeah, I mean, we're, we're kind of picking things apart. And just lately, I think with a lot of, you know, prognosticating, and that's not what we're doing here. We're just trying to get a, a read on where he might be at this moment. But I so much of it focuses on things that don't relate to humanity or, or the human nature or things like that. And, you know, sometimes I think you have to put the stats and the numbers and the calendar spot and the past performance and things like that aside and really just think about where his headspace might be at. And I think it's just going to be a tremendous relief to have some of this um, COVID-19 stuff out of the way and not really a factor. I agree with that. I, I do want to throw in the fact that there, there is, and I, I'm going against kind of what you just said, Amy, but there, sure. there is a clear line here. There's a clear line here, 2015, right? Uh, from 2012 to 2015, when we're talking about a prime Novak who's not so concerned about peaking for majors, he can peak the whole time. He can peak the whole year. It didn't matter back then. Uh, he, he was great at Monte Carlo. It was final uh, win semifinal win and then since then hasn't been past the quarterfinal so I think as there was a, a line where it starts to become I'm older I I can't be at a hundred percent the in, throughout the entire calendar well that and, goes to what I was saying before about managing your energy and your effort so is that something you're talking about I don't think it's effort though I think it's I think it's how are we scheduling rest and training and how intense are we training? Let's, right? I, I like that. And I think he's going to bring, it's like, he's going to bring 100%, but there's only so much of 100% he can bring. But let's also take this into account. And I was looking at it. 2015, he's beating Thomas Burdick in the final. 2019, <laughs> he's losing to Medvedev in the quarters. Now we got to look at who the competition is. There, you know, it's like, and, and this, this will have implications for our discussion of the draw, kind of the upgrade era. I mean, I swear, I watched, I watched a lot of Miami and Indian Wells, and I thought, Thomas Burdick? Oh yeah, when did he play? I mean, the game you're seeing, you're seeing these these upgrades in speed and spin and shape. And and Novak, he can't he can't stand still either. But again, we're going to talk about this constantly. The the gravitational impact, or not gravity, God, I'm a butcher too, of the impact <laughs> of, of the big three on making everybody become a better tennis player. People become better tennis players. So so the competition. Is better. I look at 15. He beat. I mean, he did beat Nadal in the semis. He beat Burdick. He beat Chilich. Kind of from the flat ball era, huh? The less shaped era, the less the less topped era. Those guys are pretty flat hitters. He problem solved them. 
little bit. Yeah. Look, the, the game is, is certainly moving forward. And that's one of the things that's been so remarkable about, about the big three moving, moving with the game, despite their age. I want to throw in one more thing about Monte Carlo before we get to the draw. It's windy. It, you know, Novak is not like Rafa when it comes to wind, the, the balance, the footwork, he, he would much rather the ball not be moving through the air in a, an unpredictable manner with the way he produces his, his tennis. So uh, I do think that might be a factor as well. Right. So it's a mini version. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the bookends of the play court year, the, of the play court season starts at Monte Carlo and it's, and, and, and Novak's gotten a couple of, couple of trophies and it's been Rafa's universe. Like what Roland Garros has been. Yes. I mean, it just sounds like you guys are pretty bearish on him, or you just want to, you know, not, keep expecting. And I'm more bullish. That, I'm, that neither. Just... I'm neither. Sure. I'm not. I'm not a stock. I'm not a stockbroker. I'm well, not a stockbroker. I'm not <laughs> just kind of looking at his arc. So I'm not. I'm not a bear or a bull. I'm just. I'm neither. I I I think he can do great. Uh, I I it wouldn't shock me if he did great. Uh, it's it's more. I think. Uh, I, I think it's more likely that he does great in Madrid and Rome than here, but I think he can still do great. That's well, kind of in which he'll say, in which he will say, because this is you know we see these ways of message define great, define great. If define great is two matches walking out healthy and feeling that he's hitting the ball well, he'll feel fine. He's not gonna. He, the only disappointment is gonna come if he loses before the the uh, quarters in Roland Garros. I mean, the, the, whole, the whole premise of even our show is that Novak could lose in the first round of three clay court tournaments, and he's still the defending champ at Roland Garros, and we don't even know where Rafa is going to be. So it's like, yeah, he's, he's, he's building, he's got a bigger view. He's got a, he, he can afford to have the biggest view possible of what greatness means in this clay season. Let's look at some of the guys in his section. He faces the winner of Alejandro Davidovich Fokina and Marcos Giron in round one. David Gafan got a wild card, and, he, and he's actually uh, still playing this week in um, Marrakesh, Morocco. Um, you have Roberto Bautista Agut against Dan Evans in round one. Dan Evans is the player who took out Novak in Monte Carlo 2021, Batista Gut, a famously difficult matchup for Djokovic. And then on the other side, so potential quarterfinals, you have Fritz in there who's coming from Houston. I actually think that it would surprise me if he brings his best uh, with, the, with the travel and everything and how much tennis he's played. Uh, you have Sanga, Cilic, Korda, Van de Zanschkel, and uh, notably Carlos Alcaraz. So let's start with the players in his immediate section. So pre-quarter final, any of those names, Joel, stick out to you? Intrigue? Uh, not that, no, not, no. Not, no, not that much, I feel. Oh, well, Giron is pretty, Giron is pretty good, but I don't know, again, theory, that's fine. I guess that's the X factor of how sharp Novak is, but that, that, that'd be, that could be interesting. There'll be a lot of good rallies in that match. I think it'll be Davidovich Fokina if I were to if I were to choose. Yes. Okay. I uh, yeah, I'm already looking ahead to Robbie Bats and someone pointed out although I I didn't check this that someone pointed out that um 
Novak does better against him or would fare better against him on clay. It's hard court where RBA has really been a headache for him. But um, I, I think it's a perfect first round, second round because he has a first round bye. I think it's a perfect uh, first match for him coming back, either Davidovich Pokina or Jerome. Um, that'll be a great warm up. And um, look ahead to RBA, and that'll be even better because you know that his fitness will be tested. And, and I agree. I get the RBA being difficult on hardcourt, more of an Eastern grip ladder hitter. So that can cause more difficulties on hardcourts where maybe a little less on clay. But again, I guess we'll see then the, the physical, mental fitness aspect of Novak. Yeah, you know, RBA will... I, I'm not even confident he he makes it there. I wouldn't it obviously wouldn't stun me, but I I would agree that the way I mean he just he's not the same player on clay. Never has been. He hits flat as a pancake. He can't find any offense. It's exhausting for him to win points on clay. Whereas like you remember the match in Doha where it's just what he can the damage he can do off the ground exactly. is is so much more substantial. I, I think Djokovic got a good little section here is, is kind of the, the takeaway for me for the most part. However, he has Carlos Alcaraz um, on the opposite end, who is your Miami champion, your Indian Wells semifinalist, Push Nadal to three sets in a very thrilling semifinal. The talk of the tour at the moment. So uh, the, the draw fortune would certainly end there and you know what looking at who carlos alcaraz has in in his section of the draw i do think we're gonna get this in the quarterfinal amy yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm sorry. Go, on, amy. go ahead yeah um watching alcaraz drop shot the way that he did in miami with the efficiency it, it, this seems to be this surface seems to be made for him, especially if he has the success that he has had the last couple of months. And uh, Novak also likes to drop shot, so uh, I think that would be you know a, a blockbuster and a really fun match. Um, yeah, I, I think if I had to like play it out or scenario it in my head, I think. Carlos will be having a lot of confidence coming into this and he seems doesn't seem like the type of guy that's on social media a lot despite the fact that he's 18 years old um, he seems grounded in that way so the the huge hype surrounding him I think it would be less likely that he would be affected by that than some other players that being said when he does face Novak, that's going to be, if, if that happens, that's going to be a, a huge test for this young player. Well, it's such an exciting thing to ponder. I mean, Alcatraz is clearly the, uh, the it boy of 2022. And then the question is how, I mean, he sure seems indestructible. Sure seems he's incredible. He seems fit. It's all these different tools. So now we'll see. Now he's arriving. You know, he's made that transition from the hunter to the hunted and and how good he is and what's you know, a little uncertainty and and the thing i care most of all about alcaraz is his staying healthy and hopefully he took off a nice nice little time last week so that said as a matchup oh my god it's, it's a block it is a total blockbuster the generational the guy who's got all these tools the guy who 
who did kind of what Novak did in 2007 when Novak was a teenager and got to the finals at Indian Wells and then won Miami. So it's kind of this bursting upon the scene. And, uh, and where's Novak going to be? Novak wants to say, okay, son, I'm the boss. How about, how about Nadal in 2005 makes the final of Miami, loses the five-setter to Federer, wins Monte Carlo for, her, for his first Masters 1000. So uh, something about this time of year, maybe. I would say, surface-wise, this is definitely Alcaraz's best chance right now. And it's not that I think Carlos is some kind of clay quarter. I think he's going to be really good on all surfaces. But the return, the, the Alcaraz serve versus the Djokovic return, uh, that is the biggest mismatch, I think, head-to-head. Meaning the way Alcaraz serves, not really hitting spots, serving hard, not going to affect the Djokovic return very much at all. I remember uh, I broke down one of the big points in the final against Rude, and Alcaraz hit a first serve on a huge point, I think uh, 30 all at 6-5 serving in the first set uh out wide completely missed his spot it went right to the rude forehand and rude chipped it into the middle of the court all i could think of is if that were novak djokovic that return would have been obliterated at carlos's feet or cross court i mean it, the point would have been turned around off the return on clay when alcaraz can just kind of i think i think we'll see a lot of kick serves and that serve return dynamic is going to be less pronounced and there's going to be more rallies. That's Carlos's best chance. So not only would this be an intriguing test for Djokovic, but this is the surface that I think would be the most challenging for Djokovic right now against Alcaraz. Because you think that Alcaraz's serve will not be as hindered on clay because Novak's return is as potent as it is is kind of diffused by the clay. So what's yeah. he going to do? He's not going. He's not going to torch a forehand. He's going to hit. He's going to take that. He take that serve, and he hit it probably somewhere deep middle to B or C. And the question that he's going to figure out though is, hmm, where do I get a hold of this Alcaraz guy? I'll tell you a match. I'd almost like to see. I mean, Novak Alcaraz is incredibly. I'd like to see Alcaraz Medvedev. You see what I'm getting at? Sort of like a little more of the contender battle, and Novak is the. The, the champ guy and the reigning this, you know, we can see all these classic scenarios of Alcaraz, you know, winning the match, seven, five, six, two, and you know, taking down the King, but I don't know, or, or Novak, I'm the boss, four and four. Thank you very much. Let me just quickly clarify something technically. It's not just that Djokovic's return is less potent. It's that both players are just going to make returns, right? Right. They're, they're both going to make returns on a, on a surface this slow, you know, this, specific clay this isn't even madrid where servers have you know some some success so that takes away the the mismatch of the serve return that i think novak would own on most surfaces very handedly on this surface that it's going to just be returns in play both sides so your your serve is less of your serve is less vulnerable on clay yeah that's your, that's your point that you're making it's not yep. it's not the serve return i mean it's nothing to do with Novak's serve it just has to do with the potency, but it is the potency of Novak's return. It's like, it's clay. It's going to clay. He's not going to, he's not going to put him on his heels the way he would, you think he would on hard courts. Yeah. So we'll see. I just see, I see Novak running him, opening up the court, running him side to side, like he does other people. And Carlos really handling that 
vexingly well. And Novak having to really reach deep into his bag to figure out a way to, to strategize to beat the guy. And the other thing is Carlos gives you looks that other players don't like the serve and volley. Um, I, I can see this being, you know, a really tough three set match if it comes to this. By the way, you guys, just to, to step it back to RBA for a second, I looked up Novak's head to head with RBA and I wanted to look at the surfaces. And the reason that I and some other people had it in their head that they play some very close matches on clay um, because Novak has notably played RBA at Roland Garros. And it was both times were um, very long, tough four set matches that Novak did win, but uh, it wasn't easy. So even on clay, RBA is not an easy out. That's interesting. Well. When was the most recent? 2019. I just closed it out. I'm sorry. No, that's Let's see okay. if I that's uh, Yeah, you know. No, it, I'm sorry. 2018. 2018, and the score was six four six seven seven six six two. And then in 2017, they played at Rome, and Novak got him six four six four. So they played in 2018 at Roland Garros. And Novak, that was the year Novak lost. That was the year he lost to um, Chekanato. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And that was that was the that was Novak at some of his uh, his bottom. I'm not I'm not dismissing RBA. I'm just that was a that was the tough time for Novak. And then 2016 at Roland Garros, they played, and it, Novak won, but it was three six six four six one seven five. That was a good so. year for Novak at Roland Garros. That yeah. So it, it, RBA is, is, he's an incredible player. That, that's an underrated, oh, yeah. you know, fabulous player on any surface and nobody wants to play him. Right. And these guys though, RBA, um, he's excellent. He's great. Magical is Alcaraz. Alcaraz in the month, he, he wants to, he wants to be one of our, he wants to be in our show. He wants to be in the title of our show, Alcaraz. I mean, he's, you know, he's that type of uh, supernova, like I wrote about supernova. He's got the magic. I mean, we're all, it's not even anointed. You don't even, he doesn't need to be anointed. He's just here. So that's what makes this potential matchup with Novak so intriguing. RBA asks you to create the magic. That's what you need to beat him. And he always asks that question. You think he needs to, you think he needs to create magic or just better, better grittiness? Uh, no, I think, I, I think you're, he's a machine. He's a ball machine, Joe. Oh, no, he's fantastic. I just think that certain players... I think the history of the sport is filled with players who are like incredible craftsmen, like uh, Herkoc. That guy's excellent. That guy's incredible. And then we see the players who are like, you know, who then they have the magic. That's that's the, the three in our show. That's what we think Alcaraz could be. Someone yeah. who's like super genius. Agreed. All right. Friday, Will, I'm gonna make a call and this is not official. I'm going to say Friday we have a show probably regardless of what happens uh, because if there is a quarterfinal meeting between Alcaraz and Djokovic, uh, that would be the day uh, of the match. So let's see what happens. Novak returns for a second time in 2022, but this one feels a little bit more significant in Monte Carlo as we begin clay season with unfortunately Nadal sidelined. It goes back to being the Novak show. Feels like we have had one of them at all times, but 
rarely more. That'll do it for this episode of three. We are available on all podcast platforms. Big help if you leave a rating and a review on Apple and Spotify. And if you're watching on YouTube, like, comment, and subscribe. We will see you next time on the next episode of three.